You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Fall Weather, and I'm working on a new book about our six cats called The Funnel of Happiness. Now, it's been over a month since I've done a new episode of What Were You Thinking? One reason I have not done an episode recently is out of simple laziness. Uh, That's always a factor, but the main reason really is the nature of the last show that I did. It was an episode with my wife, Linda, and we devoted the entire hour to the pros and cons of the shark floor sweeper. You know, we did that for an entire hour. Okay, it was only a half hour, but I'm sure it seemed like an hour to my listeners because it wasn't the most scintillating topic. So I've essentially been paralyzed since doing that show, uncertain whether to continue in that bold new direction or to get back to doing interviews with pet owners. Fortunately, Sarah Worrell sent me an email, and she has single-handedly rescued this show from oblivion. So we're going to talk to Sarah today about at least a couple of unique pets that she owns, but we're going to start out talking about sugar gliders. Now, I'm not positive what a sugar glider is, but I'm reasonably sure it's a kind of porch swing. I I think so. So I'll find out from Sarah what a porch swing has to do with pets. So let me introduce her. Sarah describes herself as a small-time sugar glider breeder who lives on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Sarah is majoring in psychology in order to study animal behavior, and she's had exotic pets all of her life. Here's a list. Uh, I I think it's fairly complete. Uh, She has had five chinchillas over the years, and I first got an email from Sarah talking about chinchillas. And right now, though, she has, okay, I want you to jot this down. This is a lot of animals. She has three dogs, one cat, two bearded dragons, a cockatiel and a lovebird, which live together, lovingly, I'm sure, a ball python, two rabbits, and two degus. I'm I'm not sure what a degu is. I think it might be another type of porch swing, so I'll have to uh, uh, talk to Sarah about that. Two ferrets a Siamese fighting fish, and five sugar gliders. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. What what are sugar gliders? Well, they're a small marsupial. They look kind of like a flying squirrel. Um, They're gray, and they have a black stripe down the back. They're nocturnal. Um, They're just as cute as can be. They make really great pets. They're very friendly. What part of the world do they come from? From Australia. Okay. Are there more than one kind of sugar glider, or is it just all, all one breed? Um, there's a lot of different species of similar gliders, um, but sugar gliders are just one species. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Because I think you told me that um, your sugar gliders, uh, one of them has babies in her pouch right now? Yeah, she has one baby in her pouch. And you can tell because they get a big giant lump on their stomach. 
Okay, and how long have you had sugar gliders? Um, I've had them about five years. What, what got you into it? They just make really great pets, and I've had some friends that had some, and so I found a local breeder and went and got my first one, and he was just so sweet. Um, it's a really good breeder that spent a lot of time with them, so they were very, very friendly. And then um, after that, we evacuated for Katrina, and while we were down in Florida evacuated, I found a female glider at a pet shop and put the two together, and it was really amusing when I first put them together. The female would just smack the male right in the head. By that night, they were both sleeping in the same pouch. Wow. Now, how, how big are these guys? They're, uh, the body's maybe about four or five inches long, and the tail's about another four or five inches long. What, what did you do during the evacuation uh, with all your animals? They all came with me. Did they? Yeah, we have, I have an aunt in Florida that was nice enough to let me bring them all with me. So did you have a van or something you had to load them up in, or how did you fit them all? No, they were in my Firebird. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Wow. I bet that's something you don't want to do twice. No. And so once you got them there, she, she had room for them? Yeah, she has a pretty big house. Are the sugar gliders, are, uh, what's their temperament like? If they've been handled a lot, they're very friendly. They really like people. Um, they're not shy at all. Um, I've had, I have a couple that are very tame, and I'll even bring them like to parties, and they'll jump from person to person all night long. Wow. And are, are they prone to you know, wander off and hide places, or do they seek out uh, high places, or how does that work with them? They generally stay up high. Um, like I said, they really do like people, so they don't usually run off. They, they might run off for just a minute and then come right back to you. And do they perch on you, sort of, or, you know, crawl up your leg, or you, do you hold them, or how does that work? They usually sit on my shoulder. And like you say, if you you have another person there, they'll leap from your shoulder to another person? Yep. So They don't have to know the person. It could be anyone. Wow. So they aren't nervous of strangers at all? No, not at all. What kind of requirements do they have if somebody wants to keep them? Like, let's talk about, you know, how you house them and what kind of food they need and, and things like that. They are somewhat involved. You can't just go to the store and buy, you know, pellet food and feed it to them. You actually have to make the food. Um, but it's mostly stuff that you can get at a supermarket. They eat, well, I make them cubes that are made out of yogurt, applesauce, uh, chicken, eggs, oats, orange, and orange juice. And I freeze those cubes. And then along with that, I also give them fresh fruit and vegetables and either mealworms or crickets. Okay. Now, when you, you say you freeze the cubes, then you don't give them to them frozen, do you? Yeah, they, they'll actually eat them frozen. You would think they might wait for it to thaw, but they don't. They just start eating it. In the wild, they actually eat uh, the sap from the trees. So this was an attempt to duplicate something like that? Right. It has the proper nutrients for them. I feed them at night before I go to bed, usually. And how many of the cubes do you make up at one time? Um, about... Four or five ice, ice cube trays full. Uh, what kind of container are they in? Or what, you know, what, what kind of housing do people need? Um, they do good in a large bird cage, at least about three feet tall by two feet wide. Mm -hmm. And you have to make sure the bars aren't too far spaced apart or else, you know, they'll squeeze through them. Do you need a lot of uh, perches or do you put part of a um, bush or a tree in there for them to climb on or what do you do? You can have some branches or bird perches. Um, but you don't want to put too many because they do like to jump, so you don't want a lot of stuff in their way. You want them to be able to 
jump back and forth, and if you when you take them out, they'll actually glide. Like if they get up on a bookcase or something, mm -hmm. they might glide over to you. What kind of temperatures do they need? Um, pretty warm, I'd say at, at least around 70 degrees, mm -hmm. but not, not too hot. Yeah, I take it you don't housebreak sugar gliders, you just kind of keep an eye on them when they're out, like you probably do with parrots and other birds. Right, but you can actually get them, um, if you get them used to putting them, like, say, on a paper towel, as soon as you bring them out, mm -hmm. they'll usually go to the bathroom on the paper towel. And then they're and good then, for a while. Yeah, they're good for a while. So do you, how do you keep them entertained? Because it sounds like uh, they're going to be up <laughs> while you're asleep. What do you do so that their quality of life is pretty good? Well, you definitely want to have more than one sugar glider. They're very social, and they don't like to be kept alone. Also, you want to have toys in their cage. Um, any kind of like parrot toy is usually good for them, as long as it doesn't have little spots where they can get their claws caught, things like that. But they, they generally entertain each other pretty well. How about um, keeping them together? You say they're social, but do you have problems with uh, maybe keeping two males in the same cage, or you need a larger cage if you're going to keep two males, or are they not territorial at all? If they've been around each other for a long time, um, like if there's no other female and you introduce two males, they'll generally get along pretty well. And the same with females. However, if you have some that are completely grown and they already have a whole group and you introduce a new one, you might have some problems. But right. usually you can get them used to each other, keep them in a cage right next to each other, stuff like that. Yeah. What's the lifespan of a sugar glider? Um, about 8 to 12 years in captivity. Wow. How many have you had over the years? Well, if you don't count the babies, yeah. I've had six. Okay. Is it difficult raising the babies, or does the um, do the parents do a really good job with that? Yeah, the parents basically take care of everything. Um, once the babies have come out of the pouch and their eyes are open, you can start handling them, and that way they'll be well socialized for when they do go to their new homes. Um, but yeah, the parents take care of everything for them. How many? Uh, you know, what what is the litter size, if if that's the right term? How how many babies does the um, female usually have at a time? They usually have two. Um, they can have up to four, but that's very rare. Yeah. One really interesting thing is, you know, they have the nipples in the pouch for nursing, mm -hmm. and if they already have some older babies, and if they have babies again, the different nipples will produce different types of milk, correct babies. What, what kind of a person would you recommend for a sugar glider? Because it, it doesn't sound like these are the easiest pets in the world, since you, you do have to have you know, housing requirements and make the food for them. Right. Um, you definitely want to have some time to spend with them. Um, they are very friendly, especially if the person you get them from socialize them well. Um, but you definitely want them to get used to you. Uh, someone with some time that can also take care of uh, their feeding requirements. They actually make really good apartment pets because their cage isn't all that big and you can let them out, you know, to run around rooms and they generally don't get into stuff too much and they don't really chew. Do they vocalize at all? Yes. Uh, if they're lonely, they'll bark and if they're angry, they'll make a sound. It's called crabbing. It's kind of hard to describe, <laughs> but you can tell they're angry. <laughs> And is that something that uh, someone in an apartment next to you would hear and wonder what the heck was going on, or is it not very loud? That's not very loud. The barking can be pretty loud, though. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back with Sarah Worrell, and we're going to keep talking about sugar gliders and then talk also about some of her other pets. So uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. 
What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host, Pia Silvani, teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. No, it's true. I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle, and we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, I'm Bob Tart. You are listening to What Were You Thinking? My guest is Sarah Worrell, and we are still talking about sugar gliders. I was wondering if there's anything about them that really surprised you after living with them for a while. I'd say just how friendly they are, uh, how they're not scared of any other people that just go right up to anyone. What do you think is the most difficult part about keeping them? Would it be the food or would it be something else? Yeah, I'd say the making the food. Since the food's fresh, you can't just leave pellets in the cage for them. 
you have to give them fresh food every night. Definitely have a lot of emotional needs. Uh, like I said, the barking is because they're lonely. Mm-hmm. That that does show that they're very uh, concerned with having others with them. Mm-hmm. How about intelligence? Can you do, you do you get a sense of that? Yeah, I would say they're quite intelligent. Um, maybe not quite as smart as a rat, but pretty close. Well, let's also here. Here's another animal I know nothing about, and that is the uh, degu. Now, is is that a rodent? Yes. Uh, they're related to chinchillas and guinea pigs. I had read about them online a few times, and I was in a pet shop in Mobile, Alabama, and they had some there, so I got a pair. Yeah, they are really cute. They look kind of like very big, fat gerbils. But I've had guinea pigs and chinchillas, and I like them, so I figured these would be pretty similar, which they are. They're a lot like chinchillas. Not quite as delicate, though. They're a little more skittish, um, but if, say, if you put your hand in the cage, they will come up to you and sniff you. They're they're pretty friendly, but when you first stick your hand in the cage, they'll run away. And you said that your two, they just had babies a few days ago. Right. Mm-hmm. So are, two babies. are you breeding them, or is it just something that happened? That was just kind of something that happened. I've had them for a couple of years, and they had never had babies before. And then um, I noticed that the female was quite fat, and a couple of days later, I had babies. And what, what kind of housing do they need? Um, just a general rodent cage, usually made of wire. They do chew a lot, so you want to make sure it's not something they can chew out of. Mm-hmm. And what do you feed them? They eat a mixture of chinchilla and guinea pig food. They're very friendly. Um, not as quite as friendly as the shrewd gliders, mm-hmm. but they're real sweet. They'll let you pet them. Well, listen, thanks thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It's uh, fun hearing about your animals. Thank you. Hi, it's me again. I am outdoors, but I'm talking to you inside a birdcage. I'm standing here with two baby rose-breasted grosbeaks, uh, so I'm in with them, and the chattering and squeaks that you can hear from outside is I'm also taking respite from three baby Baltimore Orioles that we release that are constantly coming back and begging us for food. Of course, that's what they do. Um, I'm going to feed these guys right now, the gross beaks. Come on, honey. One thing I wanted to mention, uh, one reason I'm out here, apart from the gimmick of talking to you from inside a birdcage, is even though summer is pretty much advanced now, there are still some bird species that are nesting and raising young. And I wanted to mention that if you do see a baby bird on the ground and the bird is fully feathered and looks as if it can take care of itself, in other words, it's hopping around, uh, please leave it unless it's actually in danger from a cat or a dog or something like that. Because uh, we get our birds from Wildlife Rehab Center in Grand Rapids. Uh, we we don't do a lot of them. We've had about uh, 17 of them this summer, which, which is really nothing. And some of them have... Uh, uh, we just bring them here and release them because we have the right habitat. But anyway, a lot of the birds that come to wildlife rehab, the um, wild songbirds, they end up coming there because someone will find a bird on the ground, a fledgling, and decide that there's uh, something that the bird needs that it um, can't take care of itself. 
and they take the bird inside the house, cutting the bird off from help from its mom, and then that's it. Then a person has to care from the bird. So in many cases, the mother bird will still be around and is able to take care of the bird. Uh, several years ago, before Linda and I do, knew anything about birds and were, were not uh, doing any kind of wildlife rehab, we saw a baby blue jay outside that was begging. And it was pretty obvious that it was a baby because it, it didn't have a crest. We brought the bird inside for the night and weren't sure what to do with it. I think we just fed it seed. And then the next day we heard a blue jay just squawking like crazy. And Linda said, well, I bet that's the mother. So we brought the cage out and uh, took the baby blue jay out and put it on the ground and went into the house. And sure enough, uh, the mother swooped down and started feeding the baby. So that really is much better for the birds. And for a lot of birds, that's a natural part of their uh, growing up is uh, to go through that period. So again, if they're in danger, grab them. But if, if they're not in any kind of danger and they seem fully fledged and hopping around, then uh, please just let them be. Or in some cases, if you can see a nest, uh, put the bird back in the nest. We had problems with one of these little guys. There was a storm Saturday night, and the next day Linda found one of the gross beaks on the floor of the cage out here in uh, quite bad shape and all wet. There's a roof on top of the flight cage, and not a lot of water got in, and it wasn't a bad storm, but something must have happened. Maybe lightning scared the bird, and uh, he hit his head or what, but... Um, uh, we were very worried about him because the first day he couldn't stand up at all. He would eat, though, which was a good sign. And by the second day, he looked a lot better but still couldn't fly. Well, hello there. A gross beak just landed on my hand and is about to start pecking the MP3 recorder. And now uh, by uh, today, which is uh, the third or fourth day... Oh, he's pecking. He's pecking me. Uh, the third or fourth day, uh, he's flying just fine. Not quite back to normal, but... But doing pretty well. Uh, on the same topic, or at least a related topic, um, I wanted to mention that I got a phone call a while ago from a woman who wanted us to take a couple of mallards that she took in from either Tractor Supply or Quality Farm and Fleet. I think both of these businesses sell baby ducks and chicks and other birds in the spring. And what happens is a lot of people end up buying these birds who really don't have the facilities to care for them. Uh, this woman, very nice woman, very well-intentioned, she and her daughter had just seen Fly Away Home, and she had the idea that uh, she would raise these mallards and that they were the same as wild mallards and then let them go off into the world and they would live in the wild. And, of course, you can't do that with wild mallards. So, um, And she can't keep them where she lives, so we're going to end up with them. If you hear noises, it's a, a rose-breasted grosbeak pecking the MP3 recorder. So um, that's a, a, another no-no. Please, um, any time of the year, uh, please don't take in birds that you're not prepared to care for because ducks and geese and hens um, they need a lot of space and uh, they're kind of sloppy to take care of and uh, I would say they generally don't make good house pets although some really dedicated people are able to keep them in the house uh, if you want a duck or a goose or a hen take an adult one uh, go to a uh, rehabber 
Uh, there are rehabbers around who specialize in domesticated birds and uh, take an adult home and uh, because that'll really let you know if you want one of these animals. Um, you know, they're not as uh, cuddly and cute as the little ones and that's, that's really the test to see if, uh, if you want one. So that's it. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for Sarah Worrell for being my guest, and my apologies to her for uh, procrastinating and finishing this show. Um, I do have ideas for other shows that I hope to uh, get going uh, really soon. I've just been so busy working on my new book. I just finished a proposal for the book and sent it to my agent, and he really liked it. And now uh, my publisher has a proposal. So thanks for listening, and thanks so much to my very mysterious producer, who I think I just saw lurking inside this release cage and and perhaps even uh, begging for some of the food that I'm uh, feeding the gross beaks with. Bye-bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com. Редактор